Hello, everyone. I'm Dalton Burdett. <laughs> and we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of them. <laughs> if you're watching this because you want to hear our uncensored... Unfiltered. ...thoughts and opinions about the world of movies and entertainment news, so kick back... Relax. And thank you for being part of the conversation. Two things. One, welcome back. Thank you, thank you, and thank you to Kyler Wagner for filling in for me. Yes, and two... Sandwich looks delicious. Thank you. I won't say who it's from because they don't sponsor us. That's goddamn right. Anyway, we have a really fun show for you guys set up today. But off the top, we want to talk about some trailers that came out last week. Two big ones. Mm-hmm. One was uh, for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We got the title reveal. What a title. What a title. And one was for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm-hmm. I loved both trailers. Um, the Indiana Jones one, I'm so happy with how good that trailer was. One, just because, you know, the kingdom of that. And two, because, you know, I have faith in the new movie. You know, James Mangold, everyone's mm-hmm. back. Harrison Ford actually seems like he likes Indiana Jones in the press. <laughs> but um, we were told a few days before the trailer dropped that, hey, this movie has de-aging and it's pretty wowing. But every time they do de-aging, they say it's pretty wowing. This de-aging was fucking good. Like, you see it two or three times in the trailer and I was like, Seeing it. Like, it's insane that that's new footage that they shot and not, like, old stuff that they've, you know, 4K'd. I used 4K'd as a verb. I know you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, and for Guardians 3, um, almost teared up in the trailer. I'm not ready for the amount of Guardians that they'll seemingly kill because Jesus Christ. But um, I think James Gunn's going to go out with a bang. What you think of those trailers? Um, I thought that the Indiana Jones trailer, I loved the music cues in it. Mm-hmm. And like kind of the new tweaks they did to the main yeah theme, um, that YouTube compression though oh did, yeah did a, did a did not do some favors to like the motorcycle riding and yeah, the horse the riding the horse rough. was bad yeah. but I mean obviously when we get to it it'll look yeah it looked fine the de aging I thought was incredible mm-hmm. like I, I saw that I went ooh yeah go on yeah um and I guess that's the benefit too when I assume it's not a large part of the movie mm-hmm. the de aging yeah like you know when you look at like Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel, you're like, all right, we need mm-hmm. we need a few minutes away from this here. Yeah. So um, it, I think it'll work well in that. And also Lucasfilm, you know, Re and ILM just re- developing new technologies to make it look better. I mean, look at the improvement from Mando season one to, to Book of Boba Fett yeah. with how Luke looked. Like it's a stark improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's partially because they hired somebody on YouTube who did it better. And they were like, fucking hey, you want to come work for us? Like, which is insane. Someone on YouTube said, I could do this better. And they said, bet. <laughs> All right, come, come make it better. And then. they won the bet. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but I, yeah. And I, th- th- well, Dial of Destiny is just awesome. a killer title. You mentioned something with Kingdom in the title. Yeah. I don't know what that what was that? referring to. I don't know. My brain just kind of leaked there. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, because, I mean, we haven't had an Indiana Jones one since, pfft, well, the third one? Shia, Shia, Shia. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for Guardians, I've always been a big fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I know that some people had kind of mixed reception to two. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, and I think that James Gunn, especially with how the all the troubles that that project had, with COVID and with James Gunn being fired and then rehired and switching in slates and everything. I think they, they benefit from being kind of far removed from things happening on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the trailer was great. Lots of emotion, a killer song choice. Yeah. Uh, but 
it's James Gunn, so are we shocked? And no. um, the, the only issue I have with the trailer, though, is that it peaked in the first five seconds <laughs> when, Drax... when Drax just pegs that little creature <laughs> yes. with the... Um, but I, it looks to be a rocket-heavy film, Yes, which I love that character mm-hmm. in the Guardians mix, and it looks like they're probably going back to all those animal hybrid things probably mm-hmm. who created rocket and looks like he perfected the formula for this now what his motivation for doing it is i don't know maybe he's just a psychotic fucked up human being that was just like mm. mm-hmm. um but i'm excited to see that and especially after watching the guardians holiday special which was entertaining yeah. it wasn't you know as terms of specials it was no werewolf by night yeah but perfectly fun. And very heartwarming. Very fun, heartwarming. And I'm excited to see more of Mantis because she was featured yes. heavily in the trailer. And, and Mantis crushed it mm-hmm. in the spotlight. So I'm excited to see that character kind of step into the forefront as well. And I hope we get more Craglin. I've always liked Craglin. Yes, and he, he wasn't in the trailer at all, and it made me sad. Yeah. But he's on the poster, so there's hope. Yes, yes. Always hope. Always hope. Uh, what did you guys think of the uh, Indiana Jones and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailers? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our main stories. Nicholas, welcome back. What you. what you got for us first? <clears throat> our first story comes to us from Variety. Legendary Entertainment, the production company behind Dune and <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong, has cut ties with Warner Brothers and entered a multi-year worldwide film distribution partnership with Sony Pictures. Under this new agreement, Sony will market and distribute Legendary's upcoming theatrical motion picture titles. Yes, thank you for bringing that in for us. And um, this is a big kind of industry shakeup. Long ago, Legendary was with Warner Brothers. Then for a brief spell, they left for Universal. But then they came back to Warner Brothers. And they've always been really just close-knit friends. And and if you look up the number of films that Legendary and Warner Brothers made together and the films that they made together, it's staggering. Like, the amount of great films. It was a great partnership. Like, in modern-day like versions of like what else is an example of that i would say like the universal blumhouse relationship just like two peas in a pod will continue to crank out hits like that's just how they are well uh last year or oh my gosh almost two years ago now oh that was rough (laughs) um when the whole thing announced with the old Warner Brothers leadership that movies were going to go day and date on HBO Max, you know, we rightfully said, this is going to piss a lot of people off, and it might even permanently damage relationships. We saw it with Christopher Nolan, who left for Universal, and now we're finally seeing it with Legendary, because in the story points out that this has to do with them putting Godzilla vs. Kong and Dune directly on a streaming service for their own benefit, and it nearly bankrupt Legendary to the point where they were going to pursue legal action and had to settle with Warner Brothers. And uh, the article also points out that the reason they chose Sony over all of the other ones is because Sony doesn't have their own streaming service and they can't get burned like that again. Like, that's how upset they were about the streaming thing. They're like, we don't even want the option of that happening to us again. Now, something that's important to point out, everything MonsterVerse related and everything Dune related will remain at Warner Brothers. They've have a contract where the next Godzilla versus Kong movie is going to still be Warner Brothers. Dune 2 is going to be Warner Brothers. Anything continuing in those two franchises, Warner Brothers has staken. Okay. Everything new going forward will be with Sony. This is a really big deal in the industry. And I think because of that, we're going to see Sony. Not that Sony makes, you know, <laughs> awful movies. They don't. They make really good movies. 
But I think and Spider Man movie. No, well, well, no, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. part of that is like they made Spider Man movies. That was their thing. Yeah, that like guided them through. You know, if it wasn't a Sony Pictures classic, more Oscar type movie, that's where quality kind of dipped. I think now with this legendary connection, we're going to see some great films start coming out of Sony, and then they're going to be a major contender again. That's not just with their franchises. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? I mean, like you said before, I think it's a great deal overall, and. I know that Warner Brothers is in kind of recovery PR mode with uh, studios and filmmakers and producers and everything, given the whole day and date scandal that happened. Um, I never thought about Sony not having their own streaming service, which is actually a smart move on Legendary if they were really burned by that. Yeah. And especially when you have things like Godzilla and Dune being two very recognizable IPs. Mm Mm-hmm the box office potential of them would have been insane. And yeah. Warner Brothers was also, they didn't pull a Paramount where they were like, no, we're going to hold it because Godzilla, oh my God, if Godzilla versus Kong came out now, with how much is not in the theaters right now, yeah. it would make a Crush fortune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know they're doing a sequel to that, the Apple Plus TV series, which makes more sense now knowing mm-hmm. this. Um, so they get, do they get, does Warner Brothers get stake in it would be my question, but do they also get the distribution? Like, are they a producer on the Godzilla TV series that's on Apple? That I'm not sure of. Mm-hmm. Probably. I would assume so. Okay. Um, But in terms of any future distribution of theatrical films that aren't those two franchises, mm-hmm. it's going to be Sony. And do you know kind of what else Legendary yes. has? Yes. So um, Legendary has made films such as the Pacific Rim films. They've made the, the Dark Knight trilogy. They did uh, the Hangover trilogy. They did Mamma Mia 2, which right there, Warner Brothers should know how much they've just lost. <laughs> they lost the whole Mamma Mia cinematic universe. Mamma Mia 1, eh. Mamma Mia 2, fantastic. And I stand by that. Of course, uh, they it al- has Cher. <laughs> they also made... Nandy Garcia. <laughs> they also made 300. They made the Warcraft film. They made uh, Detective Pikachu. You know, there's... All kinds of stuff that Legendary has been able to do. I did not realize how much Legendary has. Yeah, they do a lot. Oh, they are going to ramp up mm-hmm. a Pokemon universe going now with Sony Probably. at the reel. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Off of that. Give me more Pacific Rim movies. <laughs> yeah. Bring back Guillermo, though. Bring Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, don't do it without him. Um, Wow, they have a good series. Give me a Mr. Chow hangover series. That's what we want. No, a Logan-style Mr. Chow movie. (laughs) That would be the shit. I didn't know that they did The Dark Knight. That's interesting. I didn't know Mm -hmm. they had their hand in the... Yeah, well, I mean, they they can't make Batman movies at Sony because Warner Brothers owns the IP. But yeah, no, them, um, Christopher Nolan, Syncope, and DC Films, you know. So could Legendary potentially then be involved in a Spider-Man Sonyverse project? If they wanted to, sure. Huh. It all depends. Well, it also depends on Marvel because I think Marvel Studios is the sole production company of them. Gotcha. But, okay. I mean, maybe. We'll see. Who knows how that deal can expand. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about Legendary switching teams and going to Sony? You know, they've done it in the past, but they eventually did go back to Warner Brothers. What do you think is going to happen? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what you got for us next? Our next story comes to us from Deadline. It's actually a little bit of a two-parter with Deadline and then a follow-up in The Hollywood Reporter. Okay. Uh, but the Deadline article goes, uh, following a competitive bidding war, which we love here. Yes, we do. That saw several, several studios and streamers in the mix. Amazon Studios has landed Redshirt, 
a new movie starring Channing Tatum based on an original pitch by Simon Kinberg. David Leach is aboard to direct the picture. Uh, that sounds like a killer combo trio that we need to see. Now, the name Simon Kinberg. Yes. Why do I know that name? Writer of most of the X-Men films and director of Dark Phoenix and the 355. I have a lot more thoughts now than I know that he wrote this. May I? Devil's Advocate. Yes. He also wrote Days of Future Past. Solely. I'm pretty sure he's the only credited screenwriter on that movie. A broken clock's right twice a day, so let's, <laughs> let's hope this is the second time well, here's, then. Well, here's the thing. A lot of the stuff that he's written, mm-hmm. very well-written stuff, like he did mess up the Dark Phoenix story both times. <laughs> but that's pretty hard. Let's give it to a third hard. time, see what happens. Yeah, actually. right, right. Third time's a charm. No, but um, the good X-Men movies, too, he also had a hand in. Okay. And X-Men has made some fucking killer movies. And David Leach. David Leach, um, one of the co-directors of John Wick, yep. director of Hobbs and Shaw, director of um, Deadpool he, 2, he did Deadpool. director of Bullet Train. Who did the first Deadpool? That wasn't him too? Tim Miller. Okay, gotcha. All right, yeah. So David Leach, good director. Yes. All right. And Channing Tatum? Love him. You heard of him before? Yes. Up and coming guy? <laughs> before we get into this more, I'm sorry that I'm bringing us on a tangent here. No, let's Can go. I tell you how much I love Channing Tatum lately? Please, please. I was not a Channing Tatum guy. Mm-hmm. Put it out there. And then I saw 21 Jump Street. I said, all right, I'm watching. Yeah, I saw 22 Jump Street. I'm like, all right. And then I saw Magic Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these are actually really good movies. They're great movies. <laughs> and then he went away. Yeah. And I went, where the fuck is Channing Tatum? And he's just been coming back in like these cameos and small and crushing it. Yes. And now we got Magic Mike 3 and yes. now this. And sir, you forgot about Logan Lucky. <laughs> And how good he is in Logan Lucky. I love Logan Lucky. <laughs> I forgot about Logan Lucky. How could I forget about Logan Lucky? Yeah. Um, continue. <laughs> Apologies. I just wanted to, to no, lament no. about Channing Tatum. For no, you're good. You're good. Um, first of all, this trio I'm really, really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that Simon Kinberg is not directing. No offense, Mr. Kinberg. Um, I, which I actually, I want to see him direct something small. Because he went from Dark Phoenix to the 355, and I feel like if he got his hands on like a small indie budgeted movie, he could really learn a lot and give us something good. Simon Kimberg, I want to see you direct a small indie movie, and I want to see you crush it. You're a good writer. I want to see it happen. You think he just gets too big of projects? Well, I, I think he, he went from never directing a movie before in his life to Dark Phoenix. Mm. And it's just like, that's kind of a lot. And he must be a good guy, because Jessica Chastain went to the 355 after Dark Phoenix, yeah. so... He's got to be a really nice person. Um, David Leach, brilliant director, brilliant action director. And Channing Tatum, as we mentioned before, singing his praises. Love him. Um, good to see him kind of starring lead in a role again, other than Magic Mike 3, of course, which we will be watching. And, um, yeah, I think this is great news. And, you know, I think a deal like this doesn't come without a bit of money, though. I'm sure it was not cheap. It was not cheap, which goes to our next story from the Hollywood Reporter. Let's talk paydays. Paydays. We don't get to hear about paydays often. Underrated candy bar. It is. <laughs> we got we got about 10 minutes on candy bars. <laughs> um, according to multiple sources, the deal calls for Channing Tatum to be paid $25 million to star in, and I believe produce, mm-hmm. David Leach is set to get $18 million to direct, with Simon Kimberg nabbing $8 million for his writing and producing services. 
Holy shit, this must be a script. Oh, yeah. And, hey, you said bidding war. We fucking love a bidding war. Are there any plot details that they kind of action, I'm assuming? Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it's called Red Shirt. I hope it's like a Star Trek parody movie so badly. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not. Yeah. But I that would make me very excited. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited about this film. I I think, you know, with the combination of the three of them, and also every David Leach film, this is a little bit unrelated, every David Leach film has great trailers. So I'm just really excited to see the trailer whenever it's ready. Like, every David Leach movie has good trailers. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. You're excited, I take it. I'm excited. I They're putting money at this. So yeah, it, and listen. Let's hope it works. Listen, I'm not going to say it's discouraging to hear paydays like that, but God damn it. Well, my question, too, is Amazon Studios required it, acquired it? Mm-hmm. Are we getting a theatrical with this? Is Because Am- I remember that, Amazon trying to break into the theaters. Yes. I would say yes. Yes. Because with that cash put into it, they need to recoup something. They're not dumb like Netflix. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna put this in theaters, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But uh but yeah. Either way, we're looking forward to this film. What do you guys think about Channing Tatum, David Leach, and Simon Kimberg working on a new movie with Amazon Studios and with Hella Paydays? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what do we got? Speaking of streaming service studios and theatrical releases, let's talk Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Let's do that. Ahead of Thanksgiving, this story comes to us from Variety. Ahead of Thanksgiving, cinema owners, increasingly dismayed by the lack of compelling movies to screen, are painfully aware that this fall's only blockbuster, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, wouldn't match the stratospheric grosses of its predecessor. Approached Netflix with a plea. Would it be possible, they asked, for Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, the sequel to 2019's box office hit Knives Out, play in more theaters and for a longer period of time? Don't, what did Netflix have to say to that? Netflix said, hey, Ryan Johnson, fuck you. <laughs> um, they, they've said what they've said to filmmakers <laughs> in theaters ever since their inception. Hey, fuck no. <coughs> Mr. Scorsese. We're going to play your theaters in New York and L.A. for a couple weeks so it qualifies for Oscars. That's it. Can I get more? No. Well, why not? I'm Martin Scorsese. We said shut the fuck up, sir. That's enough. That's what they've been doing. Now, it should be pointed out, when Netflix acquired the rights to Knives Out 2 and 3, they they paid paid a lot of money for them. They paid, I believe it was $300 or $400 million. And you might be thinking, holy Christ, it was to produce, distribute, and pay Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig. And if you find the article, it was a few years ago, but if you find the article, mm-hmm. it actually puts their salaries in the article, which we'll have to look for at some point. But they paid a lot for it. Now, I'm fairly certain, and I could be wrong. Comments, please tell me if I'm wrong about this. I'm fairly certain that part of that deal was the option to release somewhat theatrically. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. I think it is, though. Please tell me if I'm wrong. Anyway, um, Netflix has recently revealed through Variety that they left a lot of money on the table by not expanding the theatrical run. And people from Netflix saying this. But they've also said, you know, oh, we're not going to do anything about it, whatever. You have now Ryan Johnson saying he's pushing for Glass Onion to go back in theaters again. Mm -hmm. You know, you know how I feel about this. I think every movie should be seen on the big screen. Mm -hmm. I think movies have a great place for streaming because you can get it to more people. I can't tell you how many movies I've discovered from streaming. It's a great tool. 
but in terms of recouping your money, in terms of performance on streaming, and in terms of giving something a certain value that it just doesn't have going straight to streaming. I hate to admit that, but it's true. You got to put your movie in the theaters. You'll make money. It'll have value and it will do better on streaming. Netflix kind of has kind of has their heels in the sand when it comes to this concept. You have other filmmakers, as I mentioned before, Scorsese, not being able to get those wide theatrical runs. This movie made millions of dollars, and it's from people independently calculating it because Netflix won't release the real numbers because they never do for anything ever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think they should put the... Uh, now, whether they should put the film back in theaters or not, I don't know because this is great marketing for the film to come out on Christmas for Netflix, and they need that subscriber boost for the end of the quarter. Mm-hmm. Knives Out 3, put that bitch in theaters for 30, 60 days. Do it. What are you going to lose? Nothing. You will lose nothing. And then guess what? As soon as it disappears from theaters, put it on Netflix. Bam, it has another resurgence, right? Mm -hmm. That's the power that you have. That's what Amazon wants to do, and I think it's a great idea. What are your thoughts on this whole shindig? I understand Netflix's position because that is a big-budgeted IP that they paid a lot of money for. Mm -hmm. And they paid all that money for it to exclusively be on their streaming service. Yes. Now just what I said, streaming service, because that's what Netflix is. Yes. And I I love the movie theater experience. Mm-hmm. It's Netflix. Yeah. They're a streaming service. If they want to be a movie studio, then they need to repivot their whole market strategy. You know, look at Paramount. They mm-hmm. have, they put Top Gun in theaters. It just hit the streaming service. Yeah. After what? A hundred plus days in Yeah, theaters? more than 90 days. You know, if they wanted to be a movie studio, then they should be a movie studio. But if they're going to be a streaming service, be a streaming service. Now, I get wanting to make the money, put it in theaters. You know, if people want to see it once a week, they had the contract, potentially the contractual obligation. Here's my issue with it. And it's with Ryan Johnson and, as you said, uh, with the example with Martin Scorsese. Yes. If they're going to throw a fuss, I'm not saying they're being too fussy, but if they're going to be like, I want it to be in theaters more. I want it, you know, put it in theaters longer than a week. Don't sell your movie to a streaming service. Yeah. Sell it to a movie studio. Yeah. Netflix is a production studio. They make, they're a movie studio, mm-hmm. right? But they're making movies for streaming mm-hmm. for their platform. Yes. I would, if I didn't want my movie on a streaming service exclusively, I wouldn't sell it to Netflix. No matter what dollars they threw at me. No matter what dollars. Now, I could sell it to, hell, let's say Sony bought it, put it in theaters, and then they made a deal after the fact where Netflix would be the sole distributor of it, or Hulu would be the sole distributor of it for streaming. Let it have its theatrical run and then get the money on that as well. But, and I understand that from the director's standpoint, wanted to see your movie on the big screen in the theaters, but I just take issue with the fact of, don't sell it to the streaming service then. Yeah. If yeah. you want that. And so, I, I hear you. And something else that I think we can agree on is mm-hmm. this. If you're going to be a streaming service and only make movies for streaming, what the fuck are you doing spending this amount of money? Exactly. Under no circumstance should you be doing that. If you're going to spend that money, become a fucking movie studio and get that fucking money back. You're not going to yeah. make it with subscribers. There's no fucking way. No. There's no way. Which is why they put it in theaters for a week and regardless. Because it made, what, $13 million more than it would have? Yeah. 15 yeah. I think the final number is around 15 something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, that's money they would have not seen from a subscriber bump. No fucking 
way, dude. But it's like, okay, great. They paid Kate Hudson's salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, I, I pulled up the report. Yeah. Um, the Hollywood Reporter said that the $469 million deal mm-hmm. for Knives Out 2 and 3, including paying Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig $100 million each for both films. Like, both films combined. So $50 million a film each. Damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. But I had my, my – I love Looper. Yep. Last Jedi did something. I like Last Jedi. And then and then he did Knives Out, and I was like, you know what? Let me give Ryan Johnson a chance. And I loved Glass Onion, but mm-hmm. when he said stuff like that, I was just bothered by it. I don't know why. Because mm-hmm. I get I get wanting to see it on the theater and stuff, mm-hmm. but my issue just don't sell – if Netflix is going to buy it for $469 million and Sony wants it for 450 Yeah. And they're going to put it only in theaters. Mm-hmm. Why not go with them? Yeah, I'm not saying Sony offered or was in yeah, the game, yeah, but yeah. as an example. Yeah, and I I hear you being frustrated. Yeah, and I I I agree to an extent. Mm-hmm. What I want to know, okay, where I'll give Ryan Johnson some slack here, is I love being right, <laughs> and I'm sure Ryan Johnson does too, and I'm sure throughout this whole process they were telling. Uh, I'm don't know this for sure, obviously. He was probably told, it's not going to make that much money. We're barely marketing the thing. Yeah. This is a wasted exercise. We're doing this to appease you, but it's a wasted exercise. And then the movie did extremely well for not being marketed and for only being in theaters for a week over a Thanksgiving holiday in which no one goes to the movies on Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and Black Friday. They don't. I worked at one for years. Please let me work on that day. Because you got time and a half and no one was there. It was great. Then the movie makes these numbers, and Ryan Johnson's like, mm-hmm. hello. So I, I get that, but I also see your point. Yeah, I think what it really all comes down to is, do we know for sure in that deal if a theatrical run was on the table, or was he just kind of begging for that theatrical run during the whole process? I think, say, I think here's a week. I think that's what will kind of determine my feelings about it. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to say the least, and I think what the experiment shows Knives Out 3 should absolutely do a wide theatrical run. Absolutely do one. Here, I'll let you know how much the first Knives Out made. Hold for show. Knives Out domestically made $165 million and worldwide made 312 Netflix didn't release the movie worldwide for the one week. It was just in the U.S., I'm pretty sure. So you said goodbye to all that worldwide money, all that international money, and you didn't market it to give it a chance to make that 100 something million when it could have. So... Would you agree that Knives Out 3 should absolutely be in theaters? Does Netflix own it? Yep. Is Netflix going to become a theatrically released movie studio? I don't know. <laughs> then no. Hey. Did I love Did I love seeing it in theaters? Absolutely. But it's just going to anger me at Netflix. Yep. Now, if they come out and want to be like, no, we are releasing it in theaters, then I'd be like, dumb move. You paid all that money. Mm-hmm. Recoup it, sure, I'll be there. But if they do this one-week theatrical release again, yeah. just put it on Netflix. Yeah, just do it or don't. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. 30 days or not at all. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so let us know what you guys think about all that stuff from Glass Onion and Netflix and everything going on there in the comments below as we move on to our B-roll. Nick, go right. for it. 
Here is the B-roll. These are just some little headlines we found interesting, but not enough to go into a full discussion on the stories. But still, if you're coming to us for your movie news, we wanted to provide it because they are interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Our first one, uh, in the last B-roll, when I did it, Mm -hmm. we talked about Ian McShane and Keanu Reeves joining the cast of Ballerina. Well, Lance Reddick most famous in the John Wick movies as the concierge at the hotel, yes. has joined the John Wick spinoff as well. Good. So clearly the Continental is playing a big role in this movie. Fuck yes, it You're is. You're giving me Keanu, Ana de Armas, Lance Reddick, and Ian McShane in a movie together. I'm in theaters day one. Absolutely. That's all I need. Our next story comes to us from Deadline. <clears throat> Ang Lee <laughs> taps his son, Mason Lee, to play martial arts legend Bruce Lee in an epic at Sony's 3000 Pictures. Um, I love Bruce Lee. Me too. Give me a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. Ang Lee, great Hulk director. (laughs) (sighs) I didn't see The Gemini Man, so I don't know how... It wasn't good, but Ang Lee has made some all-time great films. He made Brookback Mountain. He made Life of Pi. He made Life of Pi. He's made some excellent films. He's a great filmmaker. And in his early days, he did a lot of action films. Mm -hmm. So kind of seeing this return to, you know, the action man himself is great. Now, when it comes to casting his son, we'll see. I've heard that his son has actually been working in the industry for a long time, especially in action-type roles. So we'll see if it was nepotism or if it was a good choice. I'm interested. We'll see. A lot of Lee's working on this movie, and I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. What a headline. I'm sure that news came out, and the headline reporters were like, oh, yes. <laughs> this is where the fun begins. Uh, our next story comes to us from Variety. This is an exclusive from Variety. The 2023 Oscars will include all 23 categories presented live on air. Well done. Thank you. That's all we wanted. This is great news, especially following years of controversy about cutting the topics that they feel like people don't care about, mm-hmm. which I think is an insult. Um, I think this is great news. Uh, the Oscars are a big deal to the movie nights, as you've seen our reactions and the game we play and everything. Even if they're a year late. Even if they are a year late. But I'm looking forward to it. I just think they're interesting. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, and our last part of the B-roll comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Amazon's Jennifer Salk has gained control of MGM film TV operations. Um, The head of Amazon Studios has just been handed total control of MGM's film and television divisions following the retail giant streamers February acquisition of the storied studio behind the James Bond and Rocky Creed franchises. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are now that there's someone running MGM and Amazon for the love of fucking Christ, release the Rocky series on 4K. I've been waiting for so long. I have Creed 1 and 2 on 4K. I have I don't have the Rocky movies on Blu-ray. And I love those movies. And they're like, Dalton, why don't you have Rocky on Blu-ray? Because I know, I know they're going to make a 4K. They have to. It's fucking Rocky. It's fucking Rocky. Just do it. Stop whatever's delaying it. And please, please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, ma'am. Release the Rocky series on 4K. I just want to have it. If they do Rocky 4 on 4K, is it Rocky 8K? And that'll conclude the (laughs) B-roll. Yo, they better put that fucking director's cut on 4K. That shit was pretty good. That was pretty good, actually, except I missed the robot. (laughs) I don't like him anymore. (laughs) Um, Uh. But yes, that concludes our section of the B-roll here as... um, we're going to move into the box, box office. office. But before that, Dalton has an ad reading. Yeah, that's right. 
Before we move on to the box office, I just wanted to take care of some quick housekeeping. Well, we love to have you join and watch us on YouTube. We get that life gets busy, you're constantly running around, or maybe you just don't like to see our faces, especially Nick's. So for your listening pleasure, the Movie Nights Roundtable is available in audio-only form on Spotify, Apple, Google, all other major podcasting platforms, and we are hosted by Acast. Simply open your podcasting app of choice, type Movie Nights Roundtable into the search, and look for that big yellow logo, Nicholas. Are you ready for Dalton. the top five box office? Yes, I am. Because they just posted now. Oh, what a lucky coincidence. What a coincidence. Now, as a reminder to our viewers and listeners, these are the Sunday estimates. Yes. We will post final box office numbers on Monday in the video description. Absolutely. So, coming in number one in its fourth weekend of release, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. All right. Making another $17 million. Coming in number two was Violent Night in its opening weekend, making $13.3 million. Coming in third was Strange World in its second week, making $4 million, $4.9 million. And coming in fifth, hang... Oh, wait, no. Coming in fourth, damn it. (laughs) It's hanging in there with only a 35% drop from week two to week three was The Menu, making $3.5 million. And coming in fifth was devotion in its second weekend making 2.8 million dollars so there are a couple box office things that i want to dive into more and get some uh you know insight on that was the word i was searching for there um black panther wakanda forever now has a worldwide total of 733 million dollars looking likely it could hit a billion by avatar 2 hopefully uh violent night uh, worldwide has a total of $20 million. And I don't know the production budget. I don't imagine it was that high, so I'm sure that that's doing fairly well for them. Uh, Strange World, on the other hand, <laughs> has a worldwide box office total of $42 million. And I know that its budget was somewhere in the 150s. Not great. Yet Soul gets the Disney Plus release. Yep, yep. Well, that's what happens when you train your audience to stay at home for animated films. They're not going to go fucking watch them when they release them. Fucking dumbasses. It also is the first Disney movie to receive a cinema score below an A. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Or Disney animation. Yes, yes. That's why, yeah. Uh, The Menu has made a total worldwide box office so far of $47.2 million. Good for that movie. Oh, so good. And it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. And coming in fifth, Devotion Worldwide Box Office has $13 million. I have a funny feeling it cost more to make that film. What was Devotion? I'm not familiar with it. It's the new fighter pilot movie with Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick. So we're just typecasting Glenn Powell now? I guess so. All right. Although there is a funny behind-the-scenes story of when he booked Devotion, he called Tom Cruise and... uh, Joseph Kaczynski, and he is like, I hope you guys don't think this is disrespectful, but I got this opportunity. I got to go do it. <laughs> uh, That's yes. nice of him. And also, something sad that I want to point out, and we're going to get into it uh, a little bit later. Uh, the Fablemans, total box office so far, domestically, is $5 million. Mm-hmm. Cost a bit more than that to make it, just to let you guys know. Not a good marketing push on that movie, I noticed. I agree. Now, um, you and Kyler did not do predictions last week. No, we did not. Would you like to do some predictions for next week? I would. And what comes out? Anything this week? That's an excellent question. Uh, In theaters, December 9th, there's a few things coming out. The Whale Opens Limited. I don't think we're getting it, though. Okay. Um, Empire of Light comes out. That's the new Sam Mendes movie. Uh, shot by Roger Deakins. Mm-hmm. It's getting very mixed reviews, but if Roger Deakins is shooting it, I'm I'm gonna go see it. 
Um, Emancipation, I believe, opens on Apple TV. Uh, that's the new Anton Fuqua Will Smith movie that I've heard is quite good. Uh, not for theatrical release, though. Um, I also believe that's when Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio comes out on okay. Netflix. And uh, the PG-13 cut of Father Stew. Well, that's number one at the box uh, office. Clearly. And I believe this is also the, um, one of the wider rollouts for uh, the movie Spoiler Alert with Jim Parsons, the rom-com. Oh, yeah, I did see that advertised. Yes, yes. So I don't think any of those movies are making money, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I would not be shocked if we have a repeat top five. Yeah. Is that what you're going with? All right, here, here's what I'm going to do. Number one, Black Panther. Okay. Shocking. Number two, Violent Night. Okay. Number three, The Menu. Because it, it keeps it continually has low drops. Mm-hmm. Number four, Devotion. Number five, Strange World. I think Strange World's going to take that dip all the way to five, and Menu and Devotion are going to bump up a bit. So you're just swapping from the top five. Oh, no, you're swapping a few things. Yeah. Call Me Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I'm going to go Black Panther. Okay. Wow. That's right. Bold. I'm going to go Violent Night. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go The Menu. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Strange World. Okay. And I'm going to keep Devotion in five. So I'm going to swap right. The Menu. Okay. And Strange World. Because I do like your thoughts Mm -hmm. on the menu, the low drops there. Yeah, that's true. And that will be my predictions. All right. We'll see. We're probably both going to lose because that normally (laughs) ends up what's happening. So what are your guys' predictions for the box office next week? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our movie reviews. We have two movies we're going to review. One is going to be The Fablemans from Mr. Steven Spielberg, and the other is going to be The Banshees of Inishirin, because he watched it a few weeks ago. I finally watched it, and I want to talk about it with him. (laughs) So uh, let's do Fablemans first. Okay. Um, I've seen it now twice. Mm -hmm. Really, really like the film, especially the second time around. Not that I didn't like it the first time, but it's kind of, you know... If you're expecting one thing and you don't get it, you're like, oh, did I I like it? Or is it just because my expectations were weird? And then when I knew what it was and watched it again, I was like, this is a fantastic movie. Um, I would say it's probably middle Spielberg Spielberg for me. And that's not a knock on the movie. It's just how great his other films are. But um, you could tell it's very personal. It felt like the most personal Spielberg movie because this is a semi-autobiographical movie about his life. And um, there are certain things in there that are really fun to see, especially when it, when it was talking about movies, loved it. Yes. And I cared mostly about the family dynamic stuff. There were some times where I was like, okay, I, th- I almost feel like this scene could even be cut. Like, I don't even see what's why it was kept. But, you know, if I was making a movie about my life, it'd be very hard to cut scenes as well. So mm-hmm. I get that. But overall, I really enjoyed the film. I do think it was about 20 minutes too long. And something of the film nails, if your movie has a great ending... It almost just adds extra points. And the final scene of this movie fucking rules. It's great. And John Williams' music like kicks in because it's mostly in the background the whole movie. Then at the end, you get like peak John Williams stuff. Yeah. And it was really, really fun to see. And it makes me sad because I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Indy 5 is the last John Williams film. Oh, wow. I think he's retiring, which he's 90-something, so that makes sense. But it does make me sad. But he's going out with a bang. God yes, damn it. yes. Uh, anyways... Thoughts on the Fablemans? I've been sitting on a rating for it for a mm-hmm. while there. Yeah. Uh, I 
predominantly use Letterbox, mm-hmm. which has the five star rating on yeah. it. And I think I'm sitting at a three star right now out of okay. five, which fascinated me because I felt like I was one of the more excited for the movie in mm-hmm. the group. Yeah, same. And I gave it the lowest rating out of everyone in the group. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, like you said, kind of an expectation thing. And maybe rewatching it, I'll like it more. Um, in terms of stuff that I didn't care for, um, I agree with you in that it kind of felt about 20 minutes too long. Um, I was not a fan of Michelle Williams's performance in it. Okay. I have seen that be divisive amongst people. And I've been conflicted on it. Because this is semi-autobiographical about Steven Spielberg's life. So maybe that's exactly how his mother was. Yeah. It just felt out of place in the movie. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was done purposefully. Because she felt like an out-of-place person in the world. Yeah. But I felt that the performance took over too much of the movie. It took you out of the movie instead of inviting you into the movie. Yes. Okay. To me, it felt like this person doesn't seem real. Mm-hmm. Whereas all the ca- other characters felt more grounded. Okay. Like I was like, okay, the dad, that person can exist. Mm-hmm. I looked at the mom and I'm like, I don't think this person exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's flair. Like I doubt she ever bought a monkey. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know for a fact, but like all that kind of stuff just took me like so out of, out of it. Mm-hmm. Um. Also again, I, and with that, I felt a lack of chemistry between her and Paul Dano. And back and forth on that again, too, because it's like, well, they were supposed to be not compatible. Yeah. But again, I feel like it's been done in movies before where the parents are not compatible, but it still compels me into the movie. And this, like, took me out of it. Like, I felt separated from it again. And, okay, there's another character in the movie that... Mm -hmm they want you to buy into Michelle Williams's character having chemistry with. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel chemistry there either. Okay. So that immediately also took me out of it. Okay. Now in terms of what I did like, everything that wasn't involved with that. Okay. I loved watching, uh, what was it? Sammy, mm-hmm. Sammy Fableman, you know, just his start with filmmaking, the dyna- uh, the relationship between with him and his father yeah. was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I found at least, um, and just his whole like high school thing, like scenes with bullies and mm-hmm. how that plays and his movie making for the school and then the end credit screen. And here's the thing, like every critique I have, Steven Spielberg is he's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So like me saying that this is if we did like an S tier list, yeah. Low B, high C Spielberg. Yeah. That's still better than that's most people tier for half of the other filmmakers. Exactly. Out there. Yeah. Um and I think that with the amount of movies that Spielberg does and just his masterful work, he's the only one that would have the knowledge and the balls to pull off an end shot like he did yes. in this movie. Yes. The end, that, the end shot is so good. <laughs> that only comes with just experience mm-hmm. and talent, I think. Yeah. And that outweighed so much of it for me because, and that mm-hmm. whole final sequence, like you said, I thought was great. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of just sitting at like a, I don't know if it was expectation, maybe if I mm-hmm. see it again, but 
I kind of felt the same way about Michelle Williams' performance as I did about Tom Hanks in Elvis. Okay. Where the character was just too much that I felt like it knocked down, let's say, like a four-star movie down. In my eyes, at least. I see. And uh, I'll say this with Spielberg, too, because I think he does a great job directing the film. Mm -hmm. And I think he will get nominated and possibly even win Best Director for the film. But this may be a bit controversial. I like this film more than I like West Side Story, but I think he directed West Side Story better than he directed this film. Okay. Like, when I was watching West Side Story, I was like, we are watching the goat right now, like, going off, Mm -hmm. like, especially with, like, the gymnasium sequence and stuff. Yeah. And this film... Now, granted, this film is not a musical. It's not flashy like West Side Story is supposed to be. It's more intimate family It's more intimate, and and he nails that stuff. And where the the Spielberg that we know shines is the scenes with him alone with his camera, with his filmmaking. Like the scene that's in the trailer, so I can say it, the young Sammy Fableman holding up his hands as a screen for the projector. Like that kind of shit is like, oh my God. And like Mm -hmm. the final sequence, unbelievable, with an amazing, amazing cameo, by the way. But, um, you know, I, I think that I under I recognize that throughout this movie you're supposed to kind of sit and observe these characters, but I also feel like as an artist with Steven Spielberg, there's a part of him that kind of was like hard to disconnect. You know what I mean? To do those moments, but the ones that were alone, personal with him, he could because that's who he's been living with his whole life. Yeah. But you know, I mean, and look, Judd Hirsch comes in this movie and fucking steals it. That's it. Like I just didn't yeah. feel I didn't know if this was supposed to be a love letter to his family or a hate letter. Mm-hmm. And I think I said it when we got out of the theater. I said, a man will really develop, become the greatest filmmaker of all time just to direct a family drama instead of going to therapy. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what I felt like. Like, I didn't... Mm-hmm. I, I, to me, it wasn't a love or hate letter. It was an honest letter. Mm-hmm. It was just a look as to the family through his the lens of his personal view of it. And, and I th- something I'll give it to with something like this is it didn't feel self-servicing to Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he wasn't just sitting there, like, yes, I know I'm the greatest yeah. filmmaker. Yeah, no, he alive. it was not, it did not feel that way. Yeah, like you could watch this that Steven Spielberg directing it, and if someone didn't know that it was about his life, I don't know if that would like yeah piece together. Yeah, I, I will say if you didn't know that, the film still works. Yes, exactly, a thousand percent. Yeah. And and you know he's not narcissistic because there's a cameo in this movie that i mentioned earlier that would have been tailor made for spielberg to cameo as yeah and the fact that he didn't just shows he's a good person because i don't know if that was if i was making a movie and that cameo was in it i probably would have done it just to be an asshole i think i leaned over to you and i said he wouldn't would he <laughs> like as it was building up because yeah, they kind of tease yeah. like oh there's about to be a cameo yeah, and I yeah. went, I said I will give it five stars if it's him, <laughs> just because that'd be just awesome. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and now the hilarious thing about all of this, the way we're talking, we're talking about the movie very critically, very openly critical because of how how much we admire Spielberg's work. We both enthusiastically recommend to see this movie. It, yeah. It's it's not a because like I hate when that happens where I'm talking about a movie and someone goes, "Did you not like it?" I'm like, "No, I'm just I'm just." in depth speaking about it here, here was my thing i think that also paid to and again expectation and everything yeah the trailer made me cry yeah i'll be open about it mm-hmm. i cried i teared up during the trailer watching it i didn't get close to being teary-eyed in this movie mm-hmm. and i think that also kind of impacted me and my yeah. viewing of it mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure but yeah and recommend don't recommend apps i mean it's spielberg yeah 
get them while you can. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. So those are our thoughts on the Fablemans. Now let's move on to the Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. Which you had the pleasure of seeing before me. Um, What a movie. I told you. <laughs> you did, you did. And like... And here's the thing. It's not that I didn't believe you because I love Martin McDonough yeah. as a writer and director. He he is fucking phenomenal. And he's not brought up enough in the conversations of the best filmmaker working today. Mm-hmm. He truly is. Three Billboards, amazing film. Seven Psychopaths, awesome film. I hate to admit that I have not seen In Bruges. But I, I have not seen it. I have either. heard, but I've heard that that's the reason why we know who he is is because of that film. Mm-hmm. And this film, ironically, we haven't seen in Bruges, but this film, why it was meant a lot to many people is because it's an in Bruges reunion between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson yeah. and who both do phenomenal work in the film, by the way, Colin Farrell, absolutely getting nominated. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, maybe. Um, although they're going to overlook Barry Keegan and it's going to upset me because he's great in this movie. I'm not a big Barry Keegan fan. And this is the first time that I was like, all right, go off. He did excellent. And I, the, the actress who plays, um, the sister, the sister is leaving me, but yeah, look it up. Cause she, she crushed it as well. I want her. I want to see her get nominated too. She was phenomenal in the movie. And, and here's the crazy thing about this movie. This movie the plot of this movie... Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon. Amazing. The plot of this movie is so simple. She's Friday. Really? Yeah, the voice of Friday in uh, Infinity War. Didn't know that. How about that? Yeah. She didn't say feck in that, though. <laughs> feck. And that made me sad. Yes, but uh, the plot of this movie is extremely simple. It is about these two friends who live on Inishiri, and it's a period piece. I forget what year they... One of the wars. Yeah. Yeah. Two? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's Inishirin is like an island off of Ireland, so it's disconnected from the mainland. Two best friends who live there. One of the best friends decides one day, I don't like you anymore, and I don't want to be your friend. And the whole movie is just about the other friend struggling with that and trying to win his friend back. And and, and, and I tell you this, and you're like, that doesn't sound appealing or interesting. It's a beautiful movie. Well, then the other friend gets annoyed and says, listen. If you talk to me, I'm chopping a finger off every time you do. Mm-hmm. And that sounds funny in theory. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's and just seeing like this this whole relationship fall apart, seeing this guy kind of just, you know, you're stuck on an island, you don't have many friends, and everyone talks to each other. So every time he goes to his favorite bar, the guy who he wants to talk to but doesn't want to talk to him is there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just seeing that happen, seeing the film balanced tone from comedy to drama beautifully and each minute of the movie is better than the previous minute like it just goes like this the whole movie with that simple of a plot like we just described yeah you're thinking how the hell are they going to milk this for two hours yeah and then the movie ends and you're like are there not two more hours yes and also and this is something i bring up all the time when i talk about different aspects of writing different aspects of filmmaking is plot versus story plot very simple story deep thematic beautiful the story of this film is what drives it home along with the characters Mm -hmm. and you know there's some really conflicting emotions from these people like there are no characters one-dimensional which was very nice to see and just some of the dialogue too when you said like the balancing of comedy and and Mm -hmm. switching from comedy to drama but i would say that it's not switching as much as they're like intertwined Mm -hmm. Like, Barry Keegan has a line delivery, and you're like, hi, that's a good joke. And then you just sit with that line, and you're like, oh, no, he was being serious. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just that deflection with the humor. Yes. Was just so wonderfully done. Yeah. And the movie does let you sit. 
the movie lets you sit and it feels slow but i was my attention was on the movie from the moment it started to the moment it ended Mm -hmm. like it never lost me and it it just goes to show how great mark mcdonough is and he's not talked about enough and uh yeah you want to hear something fucking nuts I don't I have to make sure I don't believe he's ever been nominated for best director he's only been nominated for writing I think didn't billboards get best picture nominated I don't think it got a directing let me let me make sure of that because now granted he deserves every writing nomination he's ever gotten because he's a great writer yeah but he's also a phenomenal director where do you see Banshees going for the Oscars definitely a screenplay definitely screenplay it might win Screenplay, screenplay easy because i think it's an original screenplay so it'll be in the original category i think they'll probably end up going up against everything everywhere all at once for that yeah i think that'll be a tight race yeah there's a few oh we're getting close to oscar season that's my favorite <laughs> time of the year where we get to have all these discussions so academy awards he was nominated in 2018 for best picture and best original screenplay for three billboards mm-hmm. and he was nominated for writing in bruges the only thing he won for was he won a best live action short film wow at the Oscars? Mm-hmm. So he does have an Oscar on his shelf. Yes, but not for writing, and he's never been nominated as a director. Just for best short. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, hopefully this is his year because yeah, as it sits currently, and we'll do our end of the year, you know, top tier lists and everything like that, but I have Banshee sitting at number two right now. No, it's it's my number two movie of the year also. So. It jumped there. Yeah. What's your number? Is it everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where mine's at too. Yeah. I have the 4K, by the way, but I haven't watched it yet. Ooh, yeah. nice. Hannah's never seen it, so I might have to sit down and watch it with her. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so obviously, hugely recommend Banshee's yes. Vinish Sheeran as well. I believe December 13th, mid-December at some point, mm-hmm. it will be on HBO Max. That just Fucking got announced watch like, yeah. yesterday, I think. Yeah. So definitely check it out if you have it. It is great. It is great. So, uh, yeah, I uh, want to say that that's all we had for the show today. But before we go, if you like what you heard today and you want more... Don't forget to subscribe to the official Movie Nights YouTube channel for weekly shows and movie reviews and interviews. Please watch those. We just had an interview with Josh Rubin, the director of Werewolves Within, and the star of A Wounded Fawn, now streaming on Shudder. It was a very fun interview to have. Very cool guy, Mr. Rubin was a very nice person. Uh, You can also check us out on our social media channels where we post updates, short video clips, and more. Those links can be found in the description. That is, if my dumbass remembers. Nick, you got anything else for him? No. Take care, brush your hair. Take care, brush your hair. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next week.